You're listening to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Now, here's Justin Fielder, Derek Stafford, and Tyler Schaefer. Hello and welcome to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Justin here along with the Cousins. Well, just Derek. In for Tyler is Jeffrey the Greek of the Eyes on Big Podcast. What's up, Jeff? Thanks for having me on. One of my favorite... We were just talking about Christmas being the most wonderful time of the year. Being on this podcast with you guys, that's the most wonderful time of the year for me. Well, for the last few years, we usually start out our, you know, the uh, football season with a show with you talking about the Big Ten. And then we end it with Nebraska and Iowa week. So, you know, start and finish, you know, we we get to uh, talk football with you and we love it. Love it. Um, when, when Nebraska wins... I'm not happy for everyone, but but I'm happy for you three, even even oh. Tyler Tyler with him not being here. It's because of all the pain that we've suffered over the last six years, right? Maybe seven, I Let, guess. Let's just say I get enjoyment out of a lot of things from listening to your <laughs> podcast. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, I do want to ask you about a uh, an interesting game on Saturday, Nebraska Wisconsin. Great game. Uh, Nebraska fell short again, this time in overtime against Wisconsin. What did you think of that Nebraska performance against Wisconsin, Jeff? So, you know, obviously I follow all these teams. Anybody that wants to listen to Eyes on Big Podcast or follow me on Twitter, I'm Jeffrey the Greek. Go ahead and and find us. It's not like I have a ton of love for Wisconsin either. You know, when I watch that game, knowing the background of both of these teams this year, when you went up 14, nothing, I'm dead serious. I thought it was over and and I I'm, I'm not falling trapped to anything because I'm not a Nebraska or Wisconsin fan. Wisconsin has looked like a team, a, a rudderless ship most of the year to get down 14, nothing to Nebraska where, you know, like listening to rules comments and the players comments they want this they want to get bull eligible i'm telling you i was right with you i thought that shit was over and then it wasn't and it's almost inexplicable how the rest of that game went and you know little parts of the game i I watched it and then rewatched it it wasn't like there was a comedy of errors or or a specific thing it was just one thing that didn't go right for Nebraska here and there. And it somehow added up to overtime and then a loss. Yeah, Derek, I, how I, much were you I fell for it. I, I fell for it. Like we went up 14, nothing. I was like, all right, holy yep. shit. We actually look really good right now. Yep. And you know, for, halftime came around, we were still up 14, 10. I'm like, yeah, that missed field goal kind of switched the momentum a little bit. But I was like, we can get that back. It ain't that big of a deal. Came out in second half and they come up with that stop. On defense, I was like, all right, I'll just start doing something again. We just never did. And it was like, God, damn, I, there were a lot of swear words coming out of my mouth in this house uh, uh, Saturday. And it, it, it wasn't pretty. Uh, but it's like Nebraska finds a way to lose every time. And it's just getting so frustrating. Because, you know, the, the, the story's been, oh, Nebraska turns the ball over too much. So they're, they're never going to win games turning the ball over three or four times every game. Well, guess what? We didn't turn the ball over until the final play of the game. And that was a fourth yeah. down play that didn't matter if it was an interception or not. And yet we yeah, still was- managed to find a way to lose this game. And it was just, it, it was bad penalties here and there. Um, and it wasn't that we had a lot of penalties. They were just very costly penalties on very costly drives that 
you look like we start moving to drive and then all of a sudden you get a couple false starts. I was like, Jesus Christ, now you're sitting at third and 15. And you can't, you know, you're not gonna be able to do nothing. And the thing is that style of losing uh, like that had been Wisconsin's thing almost all the year. Wisconsin hasn't been turning the ball over like crazy. They just don't make the plays or they're getting ready to go down and score and they shoot themselves in the foot that was what Nebraska did on Saturday night. There wasn't anything that I saw wrong with the game plan. Obviously, we're going to talk a ton about Purdy. And, and maybe you're getting at the end of regulation. Maybe that's where Justin wanted to go with that, with the face he's trying to make. Because Well, Tanner, I, Tanner Mordecai just kind of owned us in this game. It, was, it wasn't passing. It was, it was his running. It, for sure. We, we did not have an answer for his leg. We'd get him behind the line of, line of scrimmage, look like we're going to sack him, and we'd miss a tackle. And it was yes. those guys, it was just those types of things that just killed us. And and the quarterback squirting away and picking up a first down on third and seven, one of the most frustrating plays in college football turnovers probably being oh. number one. Yeah. So I, I had I had DM Justin after the Maryland game that I I did not agree with Tyler. <laughs> Nothing like jumping on the guy <laughs> when he's not on the podcast, but I, I just wholeheartedly disagreed with Tyler. I did think rule misplayed it at the end of the game that that should have just took the field goal to go up 13 10 in that uh, yeah. game put, put it on your defense I mean I was totally with with you two with that being said that's not the feel I had with Purdy at quarterback at the end of this game so if I'm a Nebraska fan I'm a little bit disappointed in that it seemed like rule was managing the game by what he thought the fans would want. I think he should have managed the game on what the game was telling him. It, that What was telling me was that Purdy, it wasn't too big of a moment for Purdy. I trusted Purdy to either find the open guy or throw the ball out of the back of the end zone. I And also, I think Emmett Johnson maybe could have ran it in as well. It, yeah. there, it, you don't just have to, you know, when you have three timeouts like that. So I... I I don't think it was the worst thing in the world. I mean, you got to overtime, right? So so you you can't come down on him too much. I thought there could have been at least a play, if not two, into the end zone to to try to win the game because you're not losing the game at that at that point. So because it's a good looking drive. I mean, yeah, continue it, continue it. And I agree with everything you said. I will say that in real time, I was sitting here going, yeah, play it safe, don't do anything stupid, just kick the damn field goal. Let's take this thing to overtime. And, and was look, it, you had was every, it it, the defense had every chance to stop this and, and win it in overtime. They went for it on that fourth and one. I'm like, what are they doing? Like, that's not even – just kick the field goal. What, why Agreed. are you guys going for it? But Agreed. they got it. I was like, okay, well, I mean, it worked for you, so now we're probably screwed. And the very next play, Brayden Allen barreled through with 10 other guys and fell into the end zone. But all you had to do is get that fourth down stop. And then all you got to do is go down and kick a field goal and it's over. Yeah. And that's where every, it was a team loss. You know, everybody it says was. team win. It was a team that you can't completely put that on the offense. We'll, we'll certainly talk more about Purdy. Cause I I'm very interested to see your guys, hear your guys' take on some that of the was, stuff with, with Purdy. So that was probably outside of maybe the group of five games. That was probably our best offensive performance. For sure. Of the, yeah. of the year. I mean, it, it looked good. There were a few games that Henrik Harburg looked really good in, and Jeff Sims has just yet to look good in the game. And it's unfortunate, but 
But but yeah, I mean, as far as especially here in the last five or six weeks, it's definitely the best the best we've seen this offense do. So, so a a somewhat theme of the podcast, and definitely a theme. <laughs> With, I talked to my brothers, one, if not both of my brothers, every Tuesday or Wednesday, right? We break things down and what's coming up. And one of the themes I have with one of my brothers is we're just convinced coaches are actually kind of stupid, right? Not not nearly as smart as maybe we give them credit for all the time. And so I don't want, by the way, I don't mean that as a direct shot to, to rule. We, we certainly have had things we've questioned, you know, on our own side of the fence as well, especially offensively. So, but this 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 odd groin injury he doesn't look injured to me you, you know when he's no. racing by a division one defense in madison and and then but we also hear after he came in and looked good at the end of the game versus maryland that he's he needs groin surgery right after the season's over long story short i don't get this groin injury and i don't get why purdy hasn't been playing earlier in the year because there's no doubt in my mind you have another win at least and you you are bull eligible right now if purdy starts one or two more games that that is my opinion what what say you nebraska fans even even further even going back to maryland had they not dicked around with jeff sims for so long to turn that ball over three times just put purdy in instead of jeff sims or put him in earlier there's no doubt in my mind nebraska would have won that game against maryland he Great. came in for one drive, one drive at the end of the game. He had one drive and accounted for a third of the yards against Maryland. I mean, instead, they dicked around with Jeff Sims. They see him in practice. They see him turn the ball over, and that's their go-to guy when Harburg comes out. Come on. They played the wrong guy. Well, and I, I think they're using that groin injury as just a cover to say, it was like, oh, well, you know, that they're trying to cover well, their ass why they didn't play him. I think it, he's got a groin. I don't think they're making the groin injury. No, you're not, you're not but suggesting the severity that. of it. Okay. To say that he's okay. that he's like unplayable, he's not unplayable. He looks goddamn good to me, right? Mm-hmm. Here, here's my theory on this whole thing. Like Jeff Sims, I think probably does look good in practice, and it's not because our defense is bad. But one thing our defense is bad about is to getting takeaways. <laughs> so they're probably not getting takeaways in practice. So we're not tur- so Sims probably isn't turning the ball over in in practice because our defense doesn't do that. Fair enough. It's, it's getting into games where. Other teams that are good at taking advantage of mistakes are taking advantage of them. I know this much. I've seen enough with Sims. I know what it looks like when he's in games. It's it's bad. It's <laughs> terrible. And it's, it's it's sad because the guy's got the athletic ability to be oh. a good quarterback. He oh, yeah. just doesn't have the vision. I, I I don't know what else to say other than he just doesn't have the vision for it. As and it, it, it's not just it's not just throwing vision. It's running vision. I. He doesn't always take the right holes, and he leaves the ball too loose when he runs with it. So, so his field vision we, just overall is just not where where it needs to be. And this was we said on the, we said on the eyes we said on the eyes on big podcast. He's both your best and worst quarterback that we've seen play this year. <laughs> do you still believe that? I do. Still believe when, that. when okay. he looks good, I mean that dude can spin it, man. It comes, it explodes out of his hand. And he's got athletic ability, just like you know Derek said, and then and then it's a Jekyll and Hyde. It is, and you know, I, I, there were people that were very happy with Jeff Sims because when Harburg got hurt that very first drive, Sims just marched it down the field. And Je- I mean, we talked about this on the last podcast. Justin was texting out, "Man, this is Jeff Sims we were looking for all year." 
And about the time he hit send, he threw that interception. Yeah. In the end zone. Yeah. I was like, well, holy shit. I jinxed okay. it for all of Nebraska land. <laughs> uh, one, one more question I want to ask you now that you, you kind of just brought it up. Heider Carberg can't deny the athletic ability. Surprised to hear Rule talk about so much about the future with him and developing him as a quarterback. I would like to develop him as an H-back. <laughs> he, yeah. That's what yeah. he looks like to me. I don't. I don't think uh, he has a future at quarterback in Nebraska. I really don't. I don't know. There's not a quarterback coach that can in the country that can work with that to make that. I I, I don't know if I agree with that, but I, he's not the. He's, he's not a power five quarterback. How about that? There you go. There, there are th- there are throws that he makes, and I'm like, God damn, that's a beautiful throw. And they're far and few between, but there are a few that he's like, I'm like, God damn, he put that right on the dime. And then he throws something where it's five yards off and it's an interception. So it's like consistency would help him a lot. And I don't know how to get that out of him. He I don't know if I would call it a, I don't know if I'd call it a beautiful throw. It, it got to the mark. It's like watching my five-year-old bring his <laughs> cereal bowl over the sink. I'm like, I don't know how he got it there without spilling milk and shit all over the place, but he, he got it there. That's, that's <laughs> how I would explain that. All right. Shifting over to Iowa here. Uh, it was announced earlier uh, this season, Brian Ferentz, no longer OC. He is not welcome back. Uh, your thoughts headed into the final week, your thoughts on Brian Ferentz and maybe a per- replacement for him. I'll give you my thoughts in a second. Can can I turn the question back on you guys just for a second? What was your reaction when you heard officially Brian Ferentz will not be back? Shocked. Totally shocked. I mean... <laughs> I, could t- I, I, I didn't have much of a reaction, but I could tell you what Tyler's reaction was. Yeah. It was, fuck. Okay. Now, now I don't have a decent offense. That's yeah. kind of what I guess I was driving at there. I mean, it, it, it's been such a something for rival fan bases to point and laugh at. I mean, my gosh, the, the, the Brian Ferentz, you know, memes and jokes and everything. It's been nonstop for two, three years now. As far as how Iowa fans took it, I believe Iowa fans, obviously, for the most part, were happy. But I, speaking for myself, I'm just sad it didn't work out with Brian Ferentz. And I've had that stance from the get-go. I released a Brian Ferentz got fired pod on my own, and that was That's very so early. It, yeah, it was very early. Thank you. I appreciate that. And and I I don't – I guess I haven't listened to it, but I there's nothing I take back in that. I just wish it would have worked. I believe he is an ultimate hawk. He nobody loves Iowa football more than that guy. I mean, you know, Kirk Ferentz was the offensive line coach. He when uh, he was born, you know, and and grew up in Iowa City being a Hawkeye fan. It's it's in his DNA. I just feel shitty that this is how it ended with him. With that being said, it's just not working. I mean, it just is not working. You, You just can't deny that. I can assure you that Brian Ferentz. If you had a couple, you know, beers or Amadors with him, he, he would tell you as well, you know, that this is not what he wants it to look like. So you, you got to move on. So happy to see them have some success and how, you know, um, and this will get into when we break down this game, but how emotional the other coaches and players were after the Illinois game last Saturday, he seemed to be the coach that most guys went over to, to congratulate and hug and all that stuff. So it's not fake, you know, it's not like there's this gigantic division 
where everybody hates the dude. I, I don't, that's not been my read for quite some time. So happy to see some success for him going out the door. The name that gets thrown out the most as far as the next OC is a name that I've come around on and believe that I can get excited for, which is Paul Christ, obviously mm. ex Wisconsin head coach. I believe he is the offensive analyst now for the uh, for for the Longhorns, your your hated uh, ex rival. I believe that's where he's at. So ex head coach, which would mean he carries a large voice in the room. And the reason Iowa fans like that is hopefully he could look at Kirk and say, yeah, we're not doing that because that shit don't work. Whatever. Sometimes Kirk just says, this is what I want to do. So that is something that, you know, the potential of Paul Crispy and the offensive coordinator brings to the table. So we'll see. Any other names being brought up? I mean, the name that gets thrown out is Ryan Grubb, who's the offensive coordinator at Washington. He's an Iowa boy. Uh, Fun little fact. uh, Some of my best friends played football at BV, Buena Vista University. And uh, that's where Ryan Grubb played, played college football. I think I've met the guy before, but uh, that was a more foggy time in my life back, you know, back in the day. So I I don't know if I necessarily remember, but before uh, Amador. Yeah. Well, it was a different. Yeah. So um, uh, I, I know that he loves the state of Iowa. I believe we believe he grew up a Hawkeye fan, but at the same time, his wife is from the West coast. He's getting paid a lot of money to, to be at Washington. And now he gets to coach in the big 10, you know, next year with Washington, hard for me to believe that that would be a viable candidate. We really hope that it's not going to be John Budmeyer who is on staff right now as the offensive analyst. He's the one that helped bring Kate McNamara in, which I think Iowa fans appreciated up to the point that he got injured he also brought in our our current quarterback, Deacon Hill. I don't know. I, I would have to have some really strong convincing that John Budmeyer is ready for that role. I don't believe he is. So those are the three names getting thrown around the most. Once you get past those three guys, Chris, Ryan Grubb, and uh, John Budmeyer, you're, you're just reaching, in my opinion. There's Scott Frost in there, huh? I've seen that get thrown out. I, I tell you, I'd be interested would in you? Scott Frost. Would you? Absolutely. Okay. I think you'd be a great, uh, it, just like, a great offensive coordinator. I, I do. Uh, uh, do I think it's going to happen? N- not in a million no. years. Not in a million years. But not unlike Brian Ferentz, I believe Brian Ferentz is an incredible offensive line tight ends coach. He he. I just don't believe he should be coordinating an entire offense. Step up from that is, is uh, Scott Frost is an amazing offensive coordinator. I just don't think you want him as – the leader of your, of your program. Which is why I, I was trying, I was going to say, uh, Brian Ferentz, I, I would take him as an offensive line coach in a heartbeat. You but swap I out it, Donnie Rayola, Derek. Yeah, I, I would. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't and hate Donnie, Donnie. I don't hate Donnie Rayola. I think he's doing an okay job. And, and the offensive line, I think has shown some improvement throughout the year. For sure. But I, but I would, t- if you get me Brian Ferentz in here, I, I'd take that in a heartbeat. My guess is he's probably moving on to the NFL. And I believe, as crazy as this sounds, I could see him being an O-line coach. And then pretty quickly after that, a run game coordinator. And who knows after that, he might wind up seeing the guy calling plays. 
You heard Matt Rule, and I just want to say I very much appreciated Matt Rule's comments this week yeah. about Kirk Ferentz and Brian Ferentz. I don't know how serious he was that he looked at Brian Ferentz as a role, you know, when he was in the NFL, but it wouldn't surprise me if that's the case. I, I don't think Brian Ferentz is going to have an issue finding a job in the NFL. Yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, Matt Rule, he was very gracious of both uh, Brian and Kirk. So let's talk about Kirk Ferentz for a second. Any ch- what, what are the odds that he comes back for 2024 next year? I don't know if I could put odds on it. Depends on when you ask me on my percentage. I thought after the Brian Ferentz stuff went down, immediately after, we're talking like five minutes after, I thought maybe he's, he's pissed off enough where he's going to say, thank you, I've had enough. Then the very next night, he made comments to reassure people that he will be back. But then I see how much emotion he is pouring out after these games. And then that's made me wonder as well, you know, back the other way. It took it took him like 60 minutes to come out after that Illinois game, I heard. Yep. Bringing a cigar and, into the room like, hey, what happens if I lit this thing up right now? You know, like it's just <laughs> sides of his personality you haven't seen. And it makes you wonder. The yeah. one thing I would say is this. Anybody that thinks they know what KF has planned is full of crap. The the now, amount of people. The, the only yeah. thing I'll say is I, I listen I, I, among your podcasts. I do like to listen to uh, Husker online once in a while. And Sean Callahan, who I, he's supposed to be in the know. I don't know how much he knows about Iowa, but he made it sound very much like the higher ups in Iowa kind of want Kirk gone. I, I don't know how much truth there is to that. And I don't know. If he's just uh, speculating, I, I don't know, but he made it very. So sound, what are the, he, he so made it sound higher, very matter. The higher ups would be the athletic director and president. Yeah, I'm guessing. I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't know what Sean Callahan's uh, sources are, but I I would love to challenge him on that. Do this is probably going to be a Hall of Fame coach. He still looks good. I mean, the guy's just in shape. The team's still winning. <laughs> yeah. We're going to Indianapolis right now. So yeah. it's hard for me to believe you want to push that person out. Now, there are. I, I don't think I, he thinks that they're going to fire him by any stretch of imagination either. Like, well, it, if the only way, I think it'd be like a forced into retirement type of thing or. I, or I guess somebody's going to Yes. You'd have to get really vigilant to, to do that because he's got a pretty ironclad contract. And my my thought process is if KF wants to keep coaching, he can just put that contract down in the middle of the desk, raise his middle finger and say, do something about it. Because the only way you're going to do it is fire him and pay him out the whole thing. So and um, that's fair. Don't, I, again, I'm not trying to I don't, I'm not, I don't mean to speak for Sean Callahan by any stretch of imagination either. Just that's the way I took it on the on the podcast that I was listening to. Um. I, I don't what know. I, was, I don't. I don't know if I have one feeling one way or another on it. If Kirk comes back, I, he's done well. I, I don't know why anybody would try to run him out of there. But well, what we want to see is something very similar to what we have, but with with an offense. I mean, that's what you know. It, it's gotten frustrating, even for. I mean, I'm a diehard Hawkeye and Kirk Ferentz supporter. I, I really would like to see more consistent offense and, you know, points on the board. It gets, it gets tough, you know, after two, I, three, four years. I'm frustrated after one season, so I get it. I know. I, I, I keep thinking of that GIF 
where that, you know, uh, what's his face is in the hangman's noose. And he looks over and he says, first time, huh? Yeah. That's how I feel like whenever I see Nebraska fans screaming about the offense. (laughs) Well, Iowa comes to Lincoln uh, on Friday, uh, 11 a.m. kickoff. Nebraska, by some chance, uh, is two-point favorites. Some books have two-and-a-half-point favorites. Over-under is 26-and-a-half. So, Iowa, ranked number 17, headed to Indianapolis. What's up with this line? Why is Nebraska favored? It's it's all the extracurriculars. I tried to break this down on the Eyes on Big podcast. I haven't actually, we haven't actually released it yet. We just recorded it. And... I try to do my best to set this up of saying it's not like I was not going to take this game seriously. I just want to, I want that to be said. If a healthy player, if a healthy starter is available, they're playing in this game. So let's just be clear with that. The comparison I made on our podcast is Michigan playing Maryland last weekend. Now I'm not trying to do Michigan, Iowa to Maryland, Nebraska. Okay. What I'm trying to say is that was obviously a distracted Michigan team. I think that plays into this a little bit, along with the fact that it's a short turnaround road game against a rugged Nebraska team on the road. This this isn't your, you know, slightly older brothers Nebraska teams that Scott Frost coached where you eventually thought Iowa would just bully their way into the win. Iowa was going to have to make plays against this Nebraska defense in order to get points on the board and score. So it's all of those things wrapped in one. And I just want to say all of the talk for the last six, seven weeks with these lines that have been attached to Iowa, I kept saying, I don't know if either one of you seen me on on Twitter, but I said, you know, just wait for the Iowa Nebraska game. Like that's when we're really going to set this, this under, I had even predicted 26. So we're at 26 and a half right now. I'm hoping that we drop a half point. We can you, get down to my my mid-October prediction. You know what? And I prob- I'll probably end up being wrong on this, but I would probably about make my bet my paycheck on the under in this game. Do you want to get into that right now? Because it kind of gets into game breakdown stuff. Because I don't I don't necessarily disagree with you, but I actually there's a couple different great game scripts going through my head on how I think this I, game could look. We, we can get into it, sure. I, I, I okay. guess I, I know where you're coming from. I, I, this is why I'm saying I would not bet it because I could see this game end up being a complete what nobody would expect. But judging by what I've seen both teams do so far this year, the under is a safe bet. I, I, I think so definitely not. If somebody walks up to me and said. You know, I I put a G on the under. I'm not gonna try to talk them out of it. If they see, if that's what they see, like I said, I, I it's not crazy to think another Iowa game is gonna go under. Here here is the three game scripts I see. The first game script we've pretty much already broke down. It's gonna be a slugfest that that somebody wins 13 to 10. Okay, so that's certainly or somewhere around there. That's certainly up there. I wonder if there is a little bit of Game script number two, which is Iowa doesn't have as much to lose, attacks Nebraska downfield because I think that's the way you can move the ball in Nebraska. And Iowa's downfield passing has actually looked a little bit better. Nebraska's a little bit tight, turns the ball over 
short field, you know, touchdowns for Iowa, stuff like that. And when I say blowout, I mean 23 to 6, 24 to 6 blowout. The other side of it is it just is obvious pretty quickly that Nebraska is just attacking this game more than Iowa and gets up early in the game and Iowa doesn't have an answer and just runs away with it. Nebraska wins 24 to six. So it's basically the same thing that I said on, on uh, our podcast. I mean, I'm basically just, you know, reiterating what I said. You guys think I'm crazy with any one of those scenarios on how how this could play out. Probably. Come on, take a stance, Jeffrey. Is it going to be a blowout or is it going to be a close game? Like you it's going to be close both game. ways here. It's hey, going to be a close game. <laughs> I will say that I think it's crazy that you think Nebraska will score 24 points in this game. <laughs> I don't think they have it in their offense. I don't think offensively they can get. I think I think points. if Chubba Purdy's out there, I think there's a possibility. There you go. There you go. I I think Chubba. It all the talk that Matt Rule has is. Don't have a, you know, go for it. Don't, don't think so much attack. You saw that from Chuba. So if the way to, you know, Illinois got us a couple times, you know, they got, they got completions through the air. I don't think Nebraska has as good a receivers as Illinois does, if I'm being honest, but you have a better rushing attack. So you're, you're actually now more balanced with Chuba. So if you get into those manageable downs where you have a second and four, I expect rule to take shots at that point to see if they can get points on the board, especially with no Cooper DeGene in, in, in the defensive backfield. Yeah. So what is the impact of him there uh, being injured and out of that defensive backfield? I mean, is there a quality guy there behind quality, quality guy, but not as quality. Not I, as quality, right? Yeah, I will say this: I, 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 I might get absolutely attacked by Iowa fans, but um, n- not that I, I don't think Cooper DeGene is a great cover guy. He is. It, it would be the weakest part of his extremely strong game. Amazing tackler, uh, incredible ball skills. His actual man-on-man you know, type of defense probably is something that I will predict will get picked apart when he's in the NFL draft, you know, this coming spring. So the drop off in man to man coverage and that type of stuff is there, but it's minimal, but it's the other stuff. It's the plays that he makes down the field and then special teams. And it's a two part knock on the special teams. Number one is his punt returns. So not only is he you know, really good at returning the punt. He's a safe punt returner. In my opinion, we had seen punters pop the ball up because they're afraid of him to return. So that helps us in the field position. So all of that's gone. Now you have a, 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 a seeming, you know, basically a rookie back there who makes f- the fumbling on the punt return is making me nervous already. And then the other side is the stinger. Him and Tory Taylor are just on the same page and their ability to, to for him to track that Tory Taylor punt down and down those inside, not just the 10 inside the five, four, three has been incredible. That's gone. And we already saw that in the last game. Thank God. Yeah, no shit. So not, not that I would wish injury on the guy, but thank God that that guy no, I is gone. I understand. You guys have killed us with that for the last five years, I think. And the punting's still good. I mean, Tory Taylor I know has is. still got. I you know, know it is. He, he is phenomenal. He, 
He'll be All-American probably, I'm guessing, by the end of the year. And he should be. He's a damn good punter. I, I, just, get ti- I just get tired of seeing it because Nebraska just can't seem to find a good punter. And that used to be something that Nebraska was always good at having. Right. Good punters and good kickers. We always had it. And now they're just... But, like, it, it was a thing find. where we wanted teams to start inside the three because that was a chance for us to get points. It's a, it's a difference when you're... The, the the two or the three as compared to the eleven. You know, you're you're a lot further away from the goal line at that point. So that's that's the big difference. So as we shift uh, to the stats matchup, I got to turn it over to Derek. Derek, what are some some of the significant stats that you see in this matchup here? Well, let's start with the fun ones. This is probably, I, matter of fact, no, this isn't probably. This is the first time that Nebraska will outrank every offensive category on the list. It's the first time all year that we've outranked everybody because we're only averaging 131 yards passing a game. Somehow we outrank Iowa because they're only getting 126 a game. Wow. Uh, You know, and then defensively, it's going to be a defensive battle. We all know this. Nebraska stops the run really well. We hit, we we struggle a little bit with the pass. Uh, Iowa stops everything well. They 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 have for years. Phil Parker is just a magician with that defense. Uh, I want to go into some. Justin, we talked about this a while back about why I don't go into uh, Big Ten categories when we talk about rankings. I'm, I'm, here, here's why, because. You're looking at teams, you're looking at statistics like scoring defense, where Nebraska's sixth in the Big Ten and Iowa's fourth. And it sounds like, okay, well, Nebraska's just this middle of the road defense. But Nebraska's 15th in the nation. <laughs> right. That, and that, so that's why I kind of go into the national statistics more. Uh, you know, you look at this, uh, just st- stats all across the Big Ten. Where passing defense, you know, we're ninth. Yeah, but I, I think we're 58th in the country, which isn't that terrible. It's still above average. But it looks like we're, we're below average in the Big Ten. So, I, I, I don't know. I, was, I, I had more on that, and I kind of lost my spot here. But that, that's kind of a lot of the reason why I stick more to the national side than the, than the Big Ten especially when you're talking defense, because when you're talking Big Ten defenses, they all just rank so damn high. They're all good. Yeah. I mean, as they as they say, there's lies, there's damn lies, and there's statistics. The, the Because the tweenies, the just 23-year-old, 6-year-old dorks that are following this sport now, and yeah, I know I sound like a get-off-my-lawn guy, <laughs> but they only care about offense. And I'm not, you know, the the point of the, of showing up for football games is is to watch points go on the board. So I understand that. I don't I don't want to, you know, not not recognize that. But I, I'm just amazed at how people can watch a 52 to 49 game and just be completely entertained and not even think about the lack of effort and coordinating yeah. on defense and how that does get you beat. Just like having a bad offense get you beat. I mean, it, it got Iowa beat versus Minnesota. Okay. So like I, I recognize that that happens, 
But my point I'm trying to make is when people start talking about the Big Ten, Big Ten West, they they just start talking about how crappy the offenses are. There is something to do with the fact that these defenses are so good. It looks you're, this way every single right. year. And and it's, it's both. Like, it's always a combination of the both. When you have a, a, a conference, which, by the way, the SEC doesn't play a whole shitload of defense these days. And it's and it's partly because they have so many explosive offenses now, Pac-12 as well. So it happens both ways. Like part of the reason but, the defense don't look good is because of the offenses. You know, I, I brought up, and I think I even brought this up with you on the show uh, preseason. Uh, I talked about Lincoln Riley maybe not lasting in the Big Ten because he doesn't play defense. He didn't at yep. Oklahoma. He's not doing it at USC. It's, it's so bad at USC that he's already fired. His, de- his defensive coordinator, and they're already looking. I mean, there's already top replacements for him. Not, I mean, it, it wasn't like I sounds like he's good. They're gonna he's gonna hire Jim Leonard, right? Yep. yep, he's one of the top of the list. Yes, they're also looking at Jeff Collins, uh, uh, uh Tony White's still in there, but I, I think Tony White, if he leaves, is going for a head coaching job. I don't think he's going somewhere. I would think so. Uh, I agree. I, I just I just looked at a uh, top five list of theirs. And I, I remember those three names off the top of my head, but Jim Leonard was tops of the list. Sound like it was yep. almost uh, expected to be announced. I don't know. That's the last yeah, time I heard. That's what it seemed like for a while yeah. today. I still haven't seen it though. Right. But yeah, I mean, and, and I will say USC's defense gets torn apart quite a bit, but it just doesn't seem to be to the level of teams that struggle on offense. You know, if, you, if you're bad on offense, you're, you're just a, the scourge of humanity, you know, oh, yeah. whereas, yeah. whereas if you're absolutely awful on defense, well, I'm having fun. So what are the keys to the game for Iowa, Jeff? The keys to the game are the same for both teams who can get a rushing attack going and who can win the turnover battle. It's, it's, it, there's just not much more to break down with this. It's, yeah. It's really hard for me to see either team just gouging the other one unless there is really aggressive shots that pan out, you know? Um, like, I know Nebraska was having success on the old school 1997 option where the quarterback would step back and the wide receiver would break away. But I feel like ever since the Michigan State game, that's been scouted out. Now it's been switched to, to Purdy, and Purdy can find guys – you know, down the center of the field and on the hash marks a little bit more than the last two quarterbacks. I'm happy for Iowa to have some film on him, you know, at that one drive in all of Wisconsin. But so I, I trust in Phil. My guess is you will see scripted drives at the beginning of the game work for both offenses. And then both very talented defensive coordinators put the clamps down on both offenses for the rest of the game. So I don't think Nebraska will turn the ball over like crazy. I really, I really don't. I think this is going to be like a two turnover to one turnover comparison and whichever team has the two turnovers instead of the one, that's, that's probably your winner. So I, so let me ask this, ask it this way. So all of our listeners, they're uh, pretty much Nebraska fans, right? So for Nebraska fans, what is one thing, that Nebraska could do to attack Iowa to give them the edge in this game. Is there an edge specific edge that Nebraska has in this game to attack Iowa's defense? You know what? Either way, either way, is there any advantage that Nebraska has over offense or defense? 
<laughs> you can pick your poison for how you want to attack Iowa's offense. I just, you know, like lots of different ways to to attack Iowa's offense. I I will say this. I I I believe you will see very little zone running from Iowa. It's going to be a lot of, you know, hat on hat, pin and pull, because I think that's the way you move the ball versus this Nebraska defense, which is crazy because, you know, Nash Huttmacher, uh, and, and up the middle, you guys are so strong, but that's the best way is to get those guys moving in one direction and then counter them back the other way. That's what I see teams having the most success. So I think I was going to try to do that. If Nebraska stops that, I was not going to have much of, of an answer there. We can hit some scripted pass plays every now and then our big boy just can't move at quarterback. So we'll try to boot him a little bit. But what got to last week was Tanner Mordecai being fleet of foot. You, not, we're not going to bring that to the table. So it's just hard for me to think there's there's ways that I was going to move the ball very consistently. On the other side, I don't know. I I go, I would attack the secondary. I, I really think there's a lot of similarities on how you attack these defenses. Teams don't have much success moving the ball between the tackles. So try to try to throw the ball down down the field you you can find us every now and then but of course that's where the risk is at so so you're making it sound like matt rule and kirk ferentz they can just share game notes and they're just like you know have a couple of drinks come up with a game plan it's like yep that's this is what we're going to do to each other and it's like the same thing i think we're going to wwe the shit out of this game huh pretty much Pretty much. Well, I don't know about WWE, but because because what I think of, I think of safe game plans, which is what I think both, you know, teams will be. I mean, essentially, now I will say the way to the way teams have had success with Iowa is to not be risky and just matriculate the ball down the field with short passes. I'm not sure if I've seen Brock or uh, uh, Chubba do that so much. Can Chuba have success with his legs here and there? Yeah, Iowa does a good job of taking that away. So I don't know. Have you ever seen a white guy named Chuba that fast? <laughs> That's what I joked. <laughs> Did you guys listen to our last podcast? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I'm like, of course. I think I was surprised because he's white and his name's Chuba. It's it's the first time I've ever seen a white guy named Chuba run through a defense like that. But, but I'll tell you what, it's crazy. I, I I I was reading I was reading an article earlier today and it brought it brought the fact up that. Nebraska has three quarterbacks right now with 55 or more yards running in a or one a run play of 55 yards or more. That's three three incredible. different quarterbacks. One has a 55 yard, one has a 57 yard, and I think the other one had a 59 yard or something like that. It's insane. It's insane. Absolutely yeah. insane. Yep. That's a hell of a stab. Derek, do you have anything to add to the keys to the game? I, I think Je- I think Jeffrey probably brought most of the most of them up. Uh, it, it's going to come down to turnovers a lot, and that's what scares me. Is because Nebraska has been so turnover prone. I, I I agree. I don't think it will be as bad as it has been, especially if Ch- Chuba's controlling the offense. Uh, I but our defense just isn't good at taking the ball away. So that's I guess that's where I get really scared. Uh, I know. I, I think uh, was uh, Iowa's at minus three on the year in turnover margin, I believe. Where Nebraska, I think, is minus seventeen, fifteen, whatever, somewhere in there. Something, something bad. Um, 
it's going to be can, can Nebraska control the ball enough to not give Iowa such short field that's going to completely screw them. And then special teams, it's the kickers will play a gigantic role in this game. I, well, I feel pretty comfortable with our kicker. Is is it's punter? Punters where you guys have the absolute massive advantage. I think they have an and advantage on both. I think uh, we're both. I think Nebraska is inconsistent at punter and kicker. I think special teams, if, if there's a huge edge in this game, it's going to go down to Iowa with their special teams. I don't think Nebraska's special teams stacks up anywhere close to Iowa. Not in the return game, for sure. Re- return game or kicking game. I would say yeah, special I, teams is a pretty yeah. a pretty decisive advantage for Iowa. Yeah. That's 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 where I see this. I think you're you're exactly right about the offense and defense being mirror images of them. Where it separates is the special teams, and that could could potentially be the deciding factor. So that that's the part that scares the shit out of me. So Jeff, as you outline uh, three scenarios how this game could go, uh, in the you know, I don't know 15 20 minutes ago. Right. How do you ultimately see this game? If you had to take a stance and pick one of those stances, what would you say how you think this game will play out on Friday? Well, I did take a stance on the Eyes on Big podcast, and we'll probably get our podcast out a little bit before you guys, I think it sounds like. So I'll just, you know, go ahead and give my prediction on the on the Husker Cuscast as I did on the Eyes on Big podcast. So low scoring. OK, I've got the under. I've got Iowa 13, Nebraska 10. I think it could come down to last-second field goal type of deal that we've seen out of Iowa before, or maybe a missed field goal by Nebraska to force an overtime and Iowa gets away with the win. I don't think Iowa's going to have this gigantic advantage in turnovers. I don't think there's going to be huge advantage for either team in anything. You know, I, I, I really do think it's going to be pretty close, but I'm going to trust Iowa's defense in a, in a little bit improving I didn't say good, but improving offense enough to get something done. I did not think you were going to give an actual score prediction out on this <laughs> show. It's rare. I, I don't think I've ever done it before, but I No, you I, haven't. Yeah, but I I'm I'm about ready to hit send on our podcast. So technically our our podcast I should be out sooner. Yeah, you'll have a good full 12 16 hours on us. Okay. Uh Derek, what about you? All right. I I agree. I think it's very low scoring. Uh I, I think it's going to come down probably to some field goals in the end. Uh, I, I'm going to say I, Nebraska comes up with the only touchdown in this game and wins 10 to 9. Straight out your ass right now, aren't you? Oh, yeah. That's I, not that bad. I, I, I don't think that's a bad, a bad prediction at all. Say that prediction again 10 to 9. 10 to 9. Oh, my God. Okay, so we are all in the same ballpark, all have unders. I have Nebraska winning 13-12 to 12 in this game. I, I've been wrong all year on Nebraska. I might as well go one more game if they lose. I'm taking Nebraska in this game. We're riding a winning streak against Iowa right now. I'm no, no, no wait, no, wait a second. You what are we talking about? You got to get at least three in a row for it to be considered no, a streak. No. That's a, that's I, a rule. Let's, hey, let's, I'll, say, I'll say this, and correct me if I'm wrong, Jeffrey. Uh, the, Iowa has won 17 of their last 18 games in November. Yep. 
Their only loss is to who? To Trey Palmer. It's to Trey Palmer. Okay. Our only loss is to Trey Palmer. I don't give a shit who you want to say. You can credit one guy if you want. Yeah. But it's still Nebraska. Mm-hmm. I'm aware of that stuff. One in a row. <laughs> one in a row. Yep. Good All dig. Right. Good dig, Gary. So before we get you out of here, we got to talk some Big t- Big Ten-centric uh, items here. Because you and Jordan, you guys do a great job uh, with covering the Big Ten on the Big or, or on the Eyes on Big podcast. Uh, our guy, Big Kurt, was on this week's episode, yep. which is great to hear his voice again. Yep. But uh, Jordan, he was on our show uh, for the Michigan preview. Great stuff. So what are the biggest surprises out of the Big Ten as you're reflecting on this year right now? I mean, it's got to be Northwestern. I I had – and the thing is, is it should be Rutgers. Rutgers should be the biggest yeah. surprise getting the six twins. But I got to usurp Rutgers with Northwestern because I actually thought Northwestern would be – or uh, uh, Rutgers would be a little punchy. I didn't expect anything out of Northwestern. So for them to already be bowl eligible, have a chance to beat – Illinois and win a bowl game to go eight and five. Are you kidding me? Like I never would have thought that I would have put ungodly amounts of money that they would have never approached six, seven, eight wins like that. So it's, it's incredible what David Brown's done. Do you know of anybody that predicted more than six wins for Northwestern this year? Not one person. I mean, everybody seems like to be like around three or less, right? Correct. I I had him at two. I had him at one just to tell you how stupid I was. Like I thought. Yeah, I had one also. I don't know if you guys watch their, you know, the camp tours when the big 10 network goes around and they interviewed David Braun and it looked like a guy, you know, like a deer caught in headlights when they were interviewing him. And I'm like, Oh my God, they are in so so much trouble. So probably with that explanation for what he's gotten him to, he should be big 10 coach of the year. I, I proudly would like, you know, Kirk Ferentz to be a candidate with all the injuries they've fought through to to get to Indy. But if I'm being extremely realistic, it's it's probably going to be David Braun. And my guess is that's why Northwestern said we have to hire this guy. We can't get the Big Ten coach of the year and not hire him. Yeah. So did they make a good choice by hiring them, hiring him, though? We'll see. It, it A lot of it is going to come down to recruiting and how things, how he really maps things out into this new Big Ten. So I, I'm not here to say great hire. It's going to be awesome. But I'll say this. You had to hire him. You you don't you, you I really it. didn't have a choice. I, I get where you're coming from, but it kind of felt like an overreaction. Could be a little bit of an overreaction to the season. Like it could be they, they had the motivation factor because they wanted to show up for for old Pat Fitz and. That team wasn't giving up. They were, they I don't know if they scrappy. had the roster to, you know, I, do that. Well, I didn't though, think they had right? the roster to do it either, but they they definitely weren't going to give up. But I, I I didn't doubt that. I just I'm not saying it's a bad hire. I just wonder if it's a little bit of an overreaction right now. We'll see. I mean, honestly, it's it's not a it's not a bad question you're asking. I think he's an easy guy to root for, though, right? For I sure. Mean, oh, absolutely. I, I like to see him kind of grow as a coach. You know, you you saw like what you said, big, you know. Earlier on, earlier on in the year before the season started, then you see how he talks to the media later after games and stuff. He's grown as a coach. I mean, you're right. He was in the beginning. It was kind of like, it was like, this guy's a fucking coach. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, I, I knew he was a coach. I just thought the situation he was thrust into was just sure. untenable. So for him to get success out of it, you got to give him credit for that. He was a coordinator in FCS last year this time. 
I mean, come Insane. on. Some Crazy. guys are just born to do this stuff. So how many coaching jobs in the Big Ten will be uh, open uh, when yeah. the season ends? I'm, so are, are we counting Michigan State as one of them? Because it's obviously sure. already open. Sure. Uh, absolutely. I, I'd probably set the over-under at two and a half then. Michigan State's already open. Indiana and Michigan <laughs> is the possibility. Really? You're throwing I Michigan mean, in there. I, I do think I'm I'm buying into the they're letting Michigan finish this thing out and and somebody needs to, to be the fall guy and I, I think it could be Harbs that and if they say, you know, essentially he's gonna have a one year show cause or something like that, I could see him just being gone, you know, and, and then Michigan find a new coach. And then Indiana, hard for me to it, it's it's on the line. I think if he beats Purdue He's safe, probably, but not even 100 percent if if Indiana beats Purdue this weekend. And I think if if they lose to Purdue to finish three and nine, I don't know. It's it's a hard sell to the Hoosier fan base to bring him back. Uh, what about Loxley? Is he safe? I think he's safe as long as he wants to stay there. That would be more of a Loxley decision than Maryland. You think so? Is that right? I I, I just don't. Yeah. I, I maybe I'm wrong. I don't know Mar- a lot of Maryland fans, so I don't I don't get a good feel for him i just think this has to feel like such a disappointing season after the 5-0 and start and then you got the four or five game skin and uh i mean i know they beat nebraska and they played tough against michigan but i just after the after the five game five and oh start and looking so good just the dog turd that they played for <laughs> four, yeah. four or five weeks. That, and i tell you that 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 win against Rutgers or uh, against um, Nebraska against your Huskers definitely was huge for him. And he can still, you know, he can still beat Rutgers this weekend and then win a bowl game. Now you're talking about you're talking about eight wins, you know, so yeah. that doesn't look so bad. So, yeah, I, that's fair. I think they let him finish this thing out. And I don't mean to be I don't mean to besmirch Maryland too much, but you're Maryland. I, I, I don't think you know, expecting something much more than seven wins is is extremely realistic. They play a pretty exciting brand of football most of the time. So I I I think there's they got more issues with their basketball program right now than they do football. All right. Well, that concludes all of our questions. Derek, do you have anything for Jeff here? Yeah. Can I just get just one, just one go big red. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I, you know, here's the funny thing. We were, I, I'm in a different chat group with some big 10 fans. There's a viable chance that Iowa state could be matched up with a big 10 West team in a bowl. Okay. If Iowa state and Nebraska are matched up in a bowl, I promise you, I will cheer hard for Nebraska, <laughs> but even then I'm, I'm not going to throw out a, a go big red. It's just, just not going to happen. Hey, would you go to the game? Would I go to that? It would have to be in my backyard. But if they play it there, I promise you, I will, I will attend that game. <laughs> Not going to travel and spend my own money to see that. No. No kidding. All right. But Jeff, hey, thank you so much. Uh, again, you've already uh, laid out your Twitter. Go ahead and do it again before we let you out of here. Yeah, I'm Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. I tweet pretty much nonstop about college football and then mix in a stupid 
just joke every now and then. So, and then the podcast is the Eyes on Big podcast. I send the link out through my my Twitter all the time. So all 14 teams, we obviously talk about Nebraska quite a bit. So always looking for more listeners and more people to interact with. So come on in, join in. And again, you guys are, I love having you uh, being on your podcast. We got to have you on ours a little bit more often. It's just tough because there's three of you. <laughs> you know, it's tough yes, to yes. on, on, on to the podcast, but I, I, I listen to you all the time. I DM Justin all the time and Derek and, you know, like I, I love, I love your guys' stuff. You make me laugh at least once, if not three or four times every podcast. (laughs) I'll tell you what, for for all of our listeners, if you're not following this man already, give him a follow. He's a, he's a great follow. I, I love your, your Twitter content. I interact with you some, I I don't interact on Twitter a lot. I'm just not, I'm the old guy. I'm not going to put a lot of stuff. I try to interact with you on a lot of stuff, but. But Derek, my dad, you do, you do, you put out great information. Uh, there's not a lot of people that know the Big Ten as a whole as what you guys do, and I appreciate that. You got, you guys are fun, you're great listen. So, I, I, I love your show. I, I really we appreciate love that. Hey, Derek, you know my dad. He doesn't listen to podcasts, and he listens to the Eyes on Big podcast. <laughs> How crazy Did you- is that? Did you tell him thanks for me, Justin, after you DM me that? I, I have not, but he'll listen tomorrow, so you can thank him. <laughs> yeah. That, well, thank you, Mr. Fielder. I really appreciate it. Awesome. All right. Hey, uh, be sure to follow the Husker Cuzcast on Twitter, at Husker Cuzcast. Like us on Facebook. Look for episodes anywhere you get your podcasts. Hit that subscribe button, and don't forget to rate and review. On behalf of Derek and Tyler, we want to thank everybody for listening. As always, go Big Red. Go Big Red.